This is Transformation Church Podcast. Here at TC, we represent God to the lost and found for transformation in Christ. From wherever you're listening, we hope you are encouraged by this week's message. Wow! I am so honored to be here with you all at Transformation Nation. You know, Pastor Mike and Natalie, it is my honor to be with you and I've always wanted to come to your house and I know I'm here in Tulsa, Oklahoma in our building in the miracle that is Transformation Church. But I've always wanted to come to your living room wherever you are and I know this this church is a little bit like God. We're just like omnipresent. We are just like all over the world and I love that. I love to see what God is doing through this house. And let me just say I bring greetings As you can tell from my accent, this is the Queen's English from Sydney, Australia. This is how we speak English. I bring greetings from my husband, Nick. I want you to introduce you to my family. Right over here, we have my husband, Nick, and my daughters, Catherine, Bobby, and Sophia. So Catherine, Bobby is 19 and just about to go to college, and Sophia is 15. You know, my husband is number 14 of 15 living children. And so you got to understand that um, there was no television in that part of Australia where, uh, you know, where, where they were all conceived. But my mother-in-law, she did not even think you were a mother unless you popped out like 10 kids. So I would take my, my two daughters, I would take Catherine Bobby and I would take Sophia Joyce and I would say to my mother-in-law, this is Catherine Bobby, my alpha. And this is Sophia Joyce, my Omega, And this is the beginning and the end of my childbearing years right here. This is who I have. So, you know, I have just been, uh, I feel like I've been part of the miracle that is Transformation Church. And you, you don't realize how connected you are to me, whether you know it or not. You know, the Bible says that where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. And can I just say on behalf of A21, I know that your heart is already with us because Transformation Church has been so generous in supporting the mission of A21 to abolish slavery everywhere forever. And I want to thank you. I remember when when Pastor Mike was, was like, did that miracle Sunday where y'all, y'all are just not normal, where you were giving away so much money. My phone was blowing up. Everyone's like, are you watching this? Are you watching this? So on behalf of A21, I want you to know that during a global pandemic, uh, when it should have been impossible to see people rescued, to see people set free, to see traffickers go to jail. I want you to know that we have seen more people rescued this past year than ever before in the history of A21. We have more survivors in our care. And last week alone, last week alone, eight traffickers were put in jail in Greece. And let me just say, it is your giving that has helped that to happen. So I want you to know that, you know, your pastors 
Pastor, Pastor Mike and Natalie, they are very prayerful about where they sow the seed for out of this house into soil. I want you to know that you're sowing into good soil. People are being set free. People are being delivered. People are being rescued. And let me just say, when we started 821, people were saying to me, Christine, this is impossible. It is impossible for this to happen. Can I just tell you that what is impossible with man is possible with God. With God, all things are possible and nothing, nothing is impossible with God. You know, the story of 821 is so very, very personal to me. And I just want to dive right in because this is the first time that some of you have been introduced to us and our ministry. And I want you to know, and you're on the other side of the screen today. And you know, the good news about uh, this season in life where we're doing everything online that this recording is going to find you right when you need it to find you. And I believe that it's a now moment for some of you. But I want you to know some of you think things have happened to you. You've gone through trials. You've gone through struggles. You've gone through just a lot of pain in your life. And you think God can't use you. God can't do anything with you because of what happened to you or what someone said about you or what you have done. But I want you to know that often your greatest ministry could come out of your greatest brokenness. I just want to start right at the outset and let you know from the beginning. I, I was the kid that was born in Sydney, Australia. I grew up in the, the poorest zip code in my state. And I grew up the daughter of Greek immigrants, second generation migrant. Uh, you know, I'm a, a second generation immigrant. And I was very marginalized because of my ethnicity. I was very marginalized because of my gender. I did not grow up in a tradition where women were actually ever encouraged to do anything in life. And pretty much most weeks of my life from the time I was very young until my teenage years, I was sexually abused at the hands of four men. I was a very broken young woman. I was full of shame. I was full of so much guilt. I was full of so much anger, so much bitterness, so much pain, so much heartache. And the fact is that young women like me don't normally end up doing what I'm doing. They end up either maybe drug dependent or alcohol dependent or maybe two or three different kids to two or three different fathers or confused about our gender identity. But I'm here to tell you that your history does not need to define your destiny. That 30 years ago, I came into relationship with Jesus Christ and he has given me a life beyond my past. And you know, when I was 33 years old, just two weeks before my 33rd birthday, I got a phone call from my brother, George, because I said I'm Greek. And when you're Greek, all your brothers are George or Nico or Spiro, or it's just the way that it is. If you've seen my big fat Greek wedding, you've seen my big fat Greek life. And so, you know, it, it is, that's exactly how I grew up. So my brother called me and he says, Christina, I just got a letter from the government. I mean, he was weeping. And he says, I got a letter from the government and it says that I've been adopted. And I... I first started to laugh because you know when you're growing up, you always tell your siblings, like, you are not my brother. You were adopted. Your mother's from Mars. You know, you always say that to yourself. But can I just say, when they call you and tell you that they really are adopted, you freak out. And so then suddenly I got really defensive. I'm like, no, you're not. No, you're not. You know, we're really, we're really related. And um, I said, George, they've made a mistake. Call the government department in Australia. That's called the Department of Community Services. I said, Let's call them and tell them they've made a mistake. So he calls them and then... His wife calls me back maybe about 10 minutes later. This time, she is sobbing. She's like, Christina, it's true. I, I got a letter from, I, I, I talked to them. They said that they've got a, a file on George. They said, they told me where he went to school, when he was immunized, who his biological mother is, who his biological father is. Now, you've got to understand, I was freaking out. Yeah. This was not the phone call I was expecting. Right. Yeah. 
And so I don't know if you know anything about Greeks, but Greeks are a little bit cray-cray. So we act first and we think later. And so George goes, I'm going to go see mum. Now, my father had died when I was 19, so my mother was home a lot. And she, at the time, was 61. And I'm thinking, okay, anything could happen. And I'm, I'm not joking when I say anything could happen. So I jump into my car, go to my mother's house. I go in, I walk into the living room right at the moment that my brother is giving my mother this piece of paper from the government. And um, my mum just starts crying. I felt like I was watching a movie. And I'm thinking, this is true. My mum's crying. She goes, George, I just need you to know that... Um, all the adoption laws in Australia, that was at the time 35 years ago, they were all closed adoptions. We never thought you would find out. And the last thing I promised your father before he died was that I would never tell you. And so I tore up all of the paperwork and I threw it all away and I never thought you would find out. Now, you've got to imagine, church. You've got to imagine this was like a big fat Greek moment. Like, my mother's crying. My brother's crying. The dog's crying. I mean, everyone's crying. Okay. I don't know what to do at this moment. So I'm thinking like, I'm, I'm Greek. What am I going to do? I'm going to go to the kitchen and I'm going to make baklava. I'm going to make some food. I'm going to make some moussaka. I'm going to do something. So I go in and then as I'm making some stuff, my mother walks in behind me and she says these words to me, Christina, since we're telling the truth today, do you want to know the whole truth? Okay. I I, I didn't see this coming. I, I don't even know. I turned around and I, I said to her, I go, I've been adopted too. Now remember, I'm two weeks out from my 33rd birthday. I've been adopted too. Tears streaming down my mother's face. She just starts nodding her head, starts saying yes. I was stunned. I just stood there and I mean, I didn't even say anything for a few minutes, which in and of itself is a miracle greater than the resurrection of Jesus. But anyway, so I didn't say anything. But then the very next thing that came out of my mouth in that moment, I went, well, the first thing I said is, am I still Greek? You know, I thought I was called a lot of names at school for a lot of years for being Greek. So I wanted to know there was a reason. But, but after I said that, the next thing I said to my mum right there, my Greek Orthodox mother's kitchen, I went, oh, well, mum, before I was formed in my mother's womb, Whosoever womb that was, he knew me. He knitted together my innermost parts. He fashioned all of my days before as yet there was one of them. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And can I just tell you that day, every fact that I thought to be true about my life changed. What my name was, what my past was. And you know, as I talk to you today, I still don't know the facts surrounding my conception. I don't know if I was the result of a one-night stand. I don't know if I was the result of an ongoing adulterous affair. I I don't even know if I was the result of a rape. But although I do not know the facts, I'm here to remind someone today that there is a force on the planet much higher than the facts, and it's called the truth of the Word of God. And Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 does not say that I am the workmanship of a rape or an adulterous affair. It says that we are His workmanship, and we've been recreated in Christ Jesus for good works that God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You are not what happened to you. You are not what they did to you. You are not what they said about you. You are created in the image of God. You are filled with God-given destiny, God-given purpose. God has a plan and a purpose for you. And wouldn't it be just like God to take an unnamed, because that's what my birth certificate says, child's name, unnamed, number 2508 of 1966. Wouldn't it be just like God to take an unnamed, unwanted, abused, adopted chick from the back of Sydney, Australia, and not only save 
and deliver and redeem and set me free. But say, Christine, I'm going to raise you up to open up those prison doors to let a generation of those that are bound and I'm going to use you to set them free. Can I just tell you, every single time we put a trafficker in jail, every time we see a young child rescued out of sex slavery. I think, devil, you can stick that in your pipe and smoke it. I bet that you wish you left me alone. I feel like Joseph in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, who looked at his brothers and he said, you meant this for evil against me, but God meant it for this very purpose to save many, many people alive. God can take what the enemy meant for evil, turn it around, and work all things together for your good and for His glory. You've tuned into the right church service today. I want you to know that God's got a plan and a purpose and a destiny for your life. And that's not even my sermon. That's just for free right now. So we are going to dive right into I, I just wanted to say that because I wanted to thank you for your generosity to A21. I wanted to, this is not just something I do. This is an overflow of my life and what Jesus has done for me. And in 13 years, we've seen God do miracles. And you know what? I can believe God can do miracles because God, you're, you're looking at one right here. This is a great miracle standing right here. And you know what? Before, before I even got to this planet, when I was still in my mother's womb, the enemy wanted to send an assignment to steal, kill, and destroy my life. But I want you to know that no demon in hell and no person on earth can thwart the plan or the purpose of God for your life. If God said it, God will do it. It will come to pass. On that note, I want you to turn with me to the book of Acts chapter 27. We're going to read a lot of Bible because this is a Bible-believing church. I love that about this house. You are a very well-taught house. Can I just say, in preparation, I watched every one of the videos of Crazy Faith. If you haven't watched them, you need to watch them and get saved because they are just unbelievable. All of Forgiveness University, I thought you just need to put those uh, that on YouTube on repeat every day of your life and you will stay a Christian because it will just fill you full of faith. But you are a very, very well-taught house house, you ought to thank God for your pastors, Mike and Natalie, because I'm telling you, they are bringing you the word of God. And there's just so, just to watch this house mature is beautiful to this mother in the face. But we're going to go to the book of Acts and hopefully I'm going to give a little bit of clarity and maybe some language to what some of you have been feeling this past year and the pivotal moment we are at, because I reckon there's been, I, I believe there's been a, a divine shift. The spiritual tectonic plates of the planet have shifted. And some of us, if we haven't realized the shifts happen, you can get caught in what was like a, a, an earthquake and fall into the crevices. And we don't want that because I think this moment is actually the most exciting moment on the planet for the church of Jesus Christ. This was a moment for us to arise and step into what it is that God has for us. So in Acts 27, the Bible says, and when it was decided that we should sail for Italy. Now, listen, we have, uh, you know, 18 different offices um, around the world in 18 different countries. And so normally when people say to me, Christine, where do you live? I, I go, you know, on an airplane. And I just do laps of the globe. We've done that. We've taken our daughters around the world with us uh, to over 50 countries doing ministry and preaching and teaching and our work with A21, it's just what we do. So for me, this last year has been a little bit challenging because I haven't been able to go overseas. 
So when I read in the Bible, and now we were ready to sail for Italy, I have got this picture of Italy. I'm thinking the Amalfi Coast. I'm thinking Positano. I'm thinking Ravello. I'm thinking, you know, just uh, beautiful, beautiful Tuscany. I'm thinking the Mediterranean Sea. I'm already imagining a yacht and sailing around the Mediterranean. This is going to be awesome. But I don't want you to have that picture because that's not what's happening here. Okay, so Italy. So they delivered Paul and some other prisoners. (laughs) So we know that this is not going to be a Mediterranean cruise ship. This is, is going to be a ship that's carrying prisoners uh, to a centurion of the Augustan cohort named Julius. Let me just give you a little bit of context. What happened was the Apostle Paul had received an offering from the churches that were surrounding this area to bring an offering to the church in Jerusalem, which was undergoing great, great trials, great, great heartache. They, they, were, they had great lack at the time. So he received an offering and everyone said to him, Paul, don't take this offering yourself to Jerusalem. Because if you do, they're going to kill you. But Paul wanted to take the offering himself. He loved Jerusalem. Obviously, that's where Jesus was crucified. And because he had so persecuted the church of Jerusalem, he wanted himself to take this offering to them. And exactly what they said would happen to him, happened to him. He became, they tried to kill him. And the only way he didn't die was that the Romans and soldiers went and took him and they made him a prisoner. Now, for two years... He was a prisoner waiting for one thing. He was going to go to Rome. Now, he knew that was part of his purpose. The Lord had told him this was part of his destiny. He had so eagerly decided and eagerly desired to want to go to Rome because he knew if I can proclaim the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ in Rome, from Rome, it will go into the then known world and the gospel will spread. So he wanted to go to Rome. It was his purpose to go to Rome. It was his plan to go to Rome. It was the will of God that he was going to go to Rome. And he just didn't imagine that he was going to go to Rome by being a prisoner. See, sometimes you can be in the purpose of God. You can be in the will of God. You can be in the plan of God. But how God's going to take you where He's going to take you might not be how you think He's going to get you there. And oftentimes you think God has changed His mind because your circumstances have changed. Paul knew he was going to go to Rome, but he was going to get there by being a prisoner. So now we're on there and he goes through. And it says, and embarking on a ship of Adramitium, which was about to sail to the ports along the coast of Asia, we put out to sea, accompanied by Aristarchus, a Macedonian from Thessalonica. Now, our A21 headquarters are in Thessaloniki, and I know everybody wants to be Greek. Everybody watching this, I know you want to be Greek. And so it makes me excited when we're talking about Italy, but you've got to have Greeks on the road. So just throwing that in for nothing to all my Greek friends that are watching this right now. And the Bible goes on, it says, the next day we put in at Sidon and Julius treated Paul kindly and gave him leave to go to his friends and be cared for. Favor is quite amazing. Favor means that you can be a prisoner and that the the person that is in charge of you as a prisoner trusts you so much that he gives you leave to go and stay with your friends and be cared for. And putting out to sea from there, we sailed under the lee of Cyprus because the winds were against us. I, I want you to get this. Paul is on track with destiny. Paul is going to his purpose. He's getting there as a prisoner and right at the outset, right from the beginning, what does the scripture tell us? It says the winds were against us. Sounds like March 2020, doesn't it? It's like, man, we had our plans. 
We all had our purpose. This was what's going to happen with my business. This is what's going to happen in that relationship. This is what's going to happen with that course of study. Oh, oh we, we had started that. We had heard from God. This was the will of God. This was the purpose of God. And we started and whoa, feels like the winds are against us. So we go on. And he says, and when we had sailed across the open sea along the coast of Sicilia and Pamphylia, we came to Mira in Lycia. There the centurion found a ship of Alexandria sailing for Italy and put us on board. We sailed slowly for a number of days and arrived with difficulty off Cnidus. Okay, so man, we started on this epic journey in the purpose of God, in the will of God, and suddenly the winds were against us. Now we're told that there was difficulty. So now we've gone from March 2020 to April 2020. I mean, it, it started off with, gee, it feels like the winds are against us. Then, then it sort of got difficult. And the wind did not allow us to go farther. We sailed under the lee of Crete off Salmon, coasting along it with difficulty. Oh, now, now we're in May. So we, we, thought, we thought it was just winds against us. Then, then it got difficult. Then it got even more difficult, and we didn't even believe this. We came to a place called Fair Havens, which was the city of Lycia. Since much time had passed, whoa, you mean it, it, it wasn't just a day of difficulty? It wasn't just two days of difficulty? And the voyage was now dangerous. What do you mean just happened, Christine? You mean we've now gone to June lockdown and July lockdown. And it's now dangerous. I mean, we thought it was hard when the winds were against us in March. And then in April, it got even more difficult. And in May, it got even more difficult. And now we are in dangerous terrain. He goes on. Because even the fast was already over. And right here, the fast, of course, is the Day of Atonement. So now, now we are in the September, October. We're getting into that season after the Day of Atonement. And so if you've ever been in the Mediterranean or the Ionian or the Aegean Sea at this time of the year, and we're often in, in, in this region of the world during this time, it's not a time to be out on the Mediterranean Sea. In fact, we had a rescue in this region where two girls were literally rescued. We had to send in someone that went and took them late at night and brought them across. It was so dangerous. I mean, they were being rocked side to side. The winds were up. The waves were up. I don't want you to be thinking like a nice little summer storm. I want you to be thinking like Category 5 hurricane. I want you to be thinking that this is like intense. And so... Scripture gives us that detail. This is, this is after the fast. This is after the Day of Atonement. He goes on and says, The fast was already over. Paul advised him, Sir, I perceive that the voyage will be with injury and much loss. Not only of the cargo and the ship, but also of our lives. Just in case you needed some encouragement today. I'm so glad that you came in. And the Bible goes on and says, On the chance that somehow they could... Uh, and because the harbour was not suitable to spend the winter in the, major the majority decided to put out to sea from there, the majority. I just want you to know that the majority is not always right. The majority doesn't always make the best call, but, but, but there's the majority here. The majority said we're going to go out to sea on the chance that somehow they could reach Phoenix, a harbour of Crete, facing both southwest and northwest and spend the winter there. Now when the south wind blew gently, supposing they had obtained their purpose, they weighed anchor and sailed along Crete, close to the shore. But soon... 
a tempestuous wind called the Northeaster struck down from the land. I mean, you can Google this. The Northeaster, this is where we're talking a full on hurricane style wind. It came in off the land. This is now so serious. And when the ship was caught and could not face the wind, we gave way to it and we were driven along. Now we're in August and September and October and we don't know where we're going with all this. We're just driven along. Anyone felt driven along over the last year? You're like, man, I felt a bit of resistance. The winds were against me. Then it, it got difficult. Then it got even more difficult. Then there were times I felt so dangerous. And then I just gave up, man, relationally, financially, spiritually, physically. I just felt like I've been driven along. In fact, Christine, I'm here in April 2021, and I feel like I'm just being driven along. I'm just being driven along by the the ramifications of the storm that we've been going through. And the Bible says, running under the lee of a small island of Cowder, we managed with difficulty, just in case you didn't get it yet. You're wondering why you're in April 2021 and you go, man, it still feels hard. Still feels like there's difficulty. He goes on to secure the ship's boat. After hoisting it up, they used supports to undergird the ship. Then fearing they would run aground on the cities, they lowered the gear and thus they were driven along. And I would say so many of us over this last season have just felt driven along. Chris, it's just been like out of control. I just feel driven along. I I don't even know what's happening. I don't even know myself anymore. Every sphere of my life has been impacted relationally and emotionally and spiritually and financially and physically. Chris, I feel like I have no control. I've just been driven along. I'll pull you how this felt. 2,000 years ago, Dr. Luke is writing this in so much detail. This is exactly how it felt. Since we were violently storm-tossed. I'd say that defines the last year, don't you? Violently storm-tossed, side to side, nausea, throwing up. Paul wasn't exempt from any of this. Paul was on his way to his purpose. Paul was on his way to his destiny. He felt the same nausea as everyone else. He felt the same wind as everyone else. He felt the same storm as everyone else. Some of us have thought, God, could you not have taken us out of this storm? He's like, no, 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 I'm with you in it. It's okay. I know you're feeling it. Now they're violently storm-tossed. Violently. Some of you feel exactly like that. Chris, it's been brutal this year. Chris, it's been brutal. I feel violently storm-tossed. He goes on. They began the next day to jettison the cargo. You have to understand this is a cargo ship. So now they have to throw overboard all of their economic provision. Because, see, they were going to take the cargo to the next place, and that's what was going to be sold, and that's what would have been their means of income. Some of you have felt this past year, I've just had to jettison everything overboard. Chris, I, I thought this promotion was coming, but man, with all the pandemic, things have just changed. Chris, I started this business enterprise and I thought it was going to happen. And I feel like I've just had to throw everything overboard. Some of you have been feeling that your means of provision is exactly what has been thrown overboard over this last time. And the Bible goes on and says, when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, for many days, When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and no small tempest lay on us, all hope of our being saved was at last abandoned. All hope. You think, Christine, why would all hope be gone? Because 
sun and moon had not appeared. It was pitch black. They couldn't see the stars. They couldn't see the sun. They couldn't see the moon. This might not seem like a big deal to us because we have GPSs in 2021. But back in these days, the GPS was the sun. The GPS was the moon. The GPS was the stars. It's pitch black and they can't see and there's no direction and there's no compass. Anyone felt this year? God, where are you? Where did you go? Where did you go, God? God, I I don't feel like there's any compass. I don't feel like there's any direction. God, I'm being hit on every side. Financially and emotionally and relationally and spiritually. God, I can't even see ahead of me anymore. Anyone felt like you've lost your compass and all hope is gone? Paul despaired. He was on track with his purpose. Some of you are like, but Chris, I didn't even do anything. I, I was on track with my purpose. I, I committed to church and committed to the word, and committed to prayer. And I haven't had some big backslide, but I can't see, feel God. Paul's like, we've given up. So many of us over this last year, it's felt like I have to give up. God, I can't even see you. Somehow I've gotten blown off track. I didn't plan for this, God. I I didn't plan to shift. I didn't plan to drift. I didn't plan to move. God, I've tried to find my way back to you, but where are you? And Paul's in the midst of this dark moment. And Scripture goes on. Since they had been without food for a long time, Paul stood up among them and said, man, you should have listened to me. I love the humility of the Apostle Paul, I just have to say. This is a line no woman has ever said to her husband ever, but anyway. So men, you should have listened to me and not have set sail from Crete and incurred this injury and loss. Some of you, you feel that. Chris, I've gotten here because it's my fault. Chris, I've messed up. I I did what the Lord told me not to do. I went where the Lord told me not to go. I watched what the Lord told me not to watch. I hung out with people that the Lord told me not to hang out with and you think you've blown it and you think it's over because you brought yourself here. Others feel that somehow they got here and didn't bring themselves here. But I'm here to give you good news today. Whether you think you've brought yourself here or whether the enemy brought you here, I want you to know that God is with you right here. He has not left you. He has not forsaken you. He is with you. It goes on. And he says, yet now I urge you to take heart. I'm here today at Transformation Nation because I'm here to urge you to take heart. Oh, I know it's been a challenging year. I know it's been a hard year, but take heart. He goes on, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. I don't want you to miss that. I don't want you to miss that. Paul's giving two sides of the same coin. He's saying, listen, you're not going to die. You're not going to die. We're going to get to our purpose. But, but by the way, the, the ship's got to go. The ship's got to go. Because see, there are some ships that need to run aground in our lives. There are some ships and some of us, we didn't even realize before 2020 that our trust had become in the ship rather than the one that steers the ship. 
And what God has said is that some ships have got to run aground for your good. Your purpose is still intact. Your destiny is still intact. I'm still going to take you where I was always going to take you. But the ship that you thought was going to get you there has got to run aground. I never promised you the ship. I promised you your purpose. Some of us, without even realising it, if we've been walking with the Lord for a long time, we trusted the ship more than the Saviour. And some of us have been thrown overboard from the ship to remember that it always was Jesus, always will be Jesus. I I didn't get here because I built some organisation. I didn't get here because we've got a structure, the same Jesus that was with that unnamed, unwanted kid in the hospital is the same Jesus. That's with me. The same Jesus that brought me here is the same Jesus that will take me there. A system doesn't bring you here. A structure doesn't bring you here. A person doesn't bring you here. Jesus is the one that takes us to our destiny. Jesus is the one that we are running towards. We fix our eyes on Jesus. He is the author of our faith. He is the finisher of our faith. And some of us have been reminded this last year that it's Jesus. It's Jesus. It says, but the ship must run aground. Some of you had some ships that had to run aground. The Bible goes on (laughs) and he says, For this very night there stood before me an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I worship. I want you to know when Paul's saying this, he's not saying this when the storm is over. He's not saying this when he's no longer feeling nauseous. He's not saying this when when he's no longer throwing up overboard. No, no, in the midst of the storm, in the midst of it, he's saying, oh, Let's just have a praise break right now. Let me just tell you about this God that I worship. Let me just tell you about this God that I serve. See, I wonder when we go to our offices and we go to our jobs and we're around all of our other friends, do they know that there's even a God that we serve in the midst of a pandemic? A God that we serve in the midst of a storm. See, some of us, we wait till after the storm to begin to give praise to God and declare our faithfulness and fidelity and our commitment to God. But he's saying, while you're throwing up overboard, metaphorically speaking, could you still talk about the God that you serve? Could you still talk about the God that you serve? And see, some of us, we need this confidence that Paul had in the midst of the storm to say, let let me tell you about this God that I worship. See, our our world's out of control. Church, our world is out of control. Our world is cray-cray. It's lost its mind. And one of the greatest witnesses that we can be as the church of Jesus Christ in this hour is is to hold our peace and continue to praise our God and worship our King. And go, look, I I don't understand what's going on either, man. I'm throwing up just like you are. I'm feeling the violent storm toss. But but, but in the midst of it all, can I just talk to you about this God that I serve, about this God that I worship? Can I just talk to you about this faithful God? But he's declaring this faithful God and he goes on. For this very night, there stood before me an angel of the God to whom I belong and I worship. And he said, do not be afraid. He didn't say, do not be nauseous or seasick. Because most of what we're feeling over the last year is actually not sickness, it's fear. It's fear. It's fear that's taking more people out than anything else. It's fear that the enemy has unleashed across the earth. Now it's manifested itself in so many different spheres, but it's fear. So he says, Paul, do not be afraid. Paul, you must stand before Caesar. 
You must. I, I want you to get that, Paul. You, you must. Because see, that's your purpose. That's your destiny. That's the prophetic word over your life. You must. Let me just tell you, when the pandemic all started last year, first thing I did, I went and got all of my prayer journals and prophecy journals from 1989 when I first came to the Lord. And I had 20, well, that's how old I am. Most of you weren't even born then, but that's okay. There, there was a, a, a millennium called the last one. And so 1989. So I had 30 years of prophetic words and journals. And I had a, at the time, my daughter was 18 and 14. I said, girls, sit down. This is okay. Because I, I want to show you something, girls. I, I, I want to show you. I, I don't know what's going to happen with this pandemic. I don't know what's going to happen with the economy tanking. I don't know what's going to happen with life and the ministry. But, but I need you to see this. I, I need you to see what the Lord spoke to me in 1989. And I need you to see the prophetic words that were spoken over my life in 1994. And I need you to see the prophetic words in 2010. And I, and I want you to know this, girl. I, I don't know what's going on ahead of me, but, but I've got a promise. I might not be able to see, but I've got a promise. So in the midst of the storm, what I hang on to is the Word of God. In the midst of the storm, I hang on to the promise of God. And I say, girls, the same God that prophesied this over me in 1989 and 1990 and 1991 and 92 and 94, that same God is with us now. And I want you to know, girls, there's certain prophetic words that haven't come to pass yet. Oh, Oh, no, no, no. Your mother must And once you've got your must from God, I don't care what's coming in over the news. I don't care what's going on in the world around. I I can see it, but it doesn't move me. Oh, I can feel it. I feel nauseous like everyone else. I might even be throwing overboard like everybody else, but I must stand before Caesar. Must. I don't know what your must is. Some of you have forgotten your must. Some of you have forgotten the word that God has spoken over your life. Some of you have forgotten the promise of God over your marriage, the promise of God over your children, the promise of God over your future, the promise of God over your finances, the promise of God over your health. And I'm here to declare and decree to you today, you must. If God said it, no pandemic can stop it. If God said it, no pandemic can stop it. He says, Paul, oh, oh, I know you're being violently storm-tossed. But you must. Transformation Nation, there's still a lot of must over your life. Still a lot of prophetic words that have got to come to pass. You must. And the greatest thing the church can do in this hour is hang on to the Word of God. Hang on to the promise of God. Hang on to the purpose of God. God says you, you must. So he goes, you, you must stand before Caesar. And behold, God has granted you all those who sail with you, I've declared that to everyone in my orbit. Okay, man, stay close during this time because, because you're, you're coming with me. You're coming with me. This, this favor, this blessing, oh, no, no, stay in this orbit. Oh, we're going to feel the storm, but you're coming with me. You're coming with me and we're going to get through to the other side because it's really got nothing to do with me. The same God that brought me here is the same God that's going to take me there. That's okay. He can still do this in this hour. So it goes on and he says, so take heart, men, for I have faith in God that it will be exactly as it has been told. And I'm here to tell you that today. There's so much I don't know about what's going on in our world. But I will tell you this, Transformation Nation. I have faith in God that it will be exactly as we have been told. But we must run aground on some island. Whoa. What do you do? When you're in the will of God, 
You're in the purpose of God. You're being faithful to God. And God says, I'm going to get you to where I'm taking you. But there's a detour that you weren't planning for. We must run aground. Can we trust God to interrupt our plan with his purpose? Can we trust God even when we can't trace him in the middle of a storm? Some of us right now are, God, I can't trace you. He says, I'm not asking you to trace me. Can you trust me? Can you trust me? And even if it doesn't make sense in the natural, some of us must run aground. So when the 14th night had come and as we were driven, being driven across the Adriatic Sea about midnight, the sailors suspected that they were nearing land. Now they're freaking out. So they took a sounding and found 20 fathoms. A little further on, they took a sounding again and found 15 fathoms. And fearing that we might run on the rocks, they let down four anchors from the stern and prayed for day to come. Sticking with the theme of anchor, just in case you're wondering right now. <clears throat> I hope you're remembering our word for the year as we go. And as the sailors were seeking to escape from the ship <laughs> and lowered the ship's boat into the sea under the pretense of laying out anchors from the bow, Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. I want to give someone a word right now. Some of you, you have been so violently storm-tossed. You have been, and all you've wanted to do is jump ship, man. I'm going to jump ship on this marriage. I'm going to jump ship on this church. I'm going to jump ship on this relationship. And I'm here to tell you, stay on the ship. It might not seem like it makes sense in the natural. The ship's about to run aground here. But Paul says the only way you're going to get saved is stay on the ship. You tuned in today. And the word of the Lord for you is don't jump ship. Stay on the ship. Stay in that marriage or that church or that relate, whatever it is that the Lord's telling you. Stay on the ship. Stay on the ship. Goes on. As he says this, then the soldiers cut away the ropes of the ship's boat and let it go. Some of you got to cut away some ropes. Man, you had your exit plan. <laughs> you had your exit plan. I'm going to jump on this little boat. I'm getting off this ship and I'm just going to go safely to land. And the Lord's like, no, no, you, that, that, that's, that's going to take you drifting so far off course. I know the ship looks good. I know those arms look good. I know that new thing looks good but it's going to take you to destruction. You're on the ship and you think, man, but Chris, I can't see any hope for this ship. It looks like it's going to head to destruction. And God says, you'll be saved. Stay on the ship. Stay on the ship. Cut the rope on what's taking you off the ship. Cut the rope. Goes on. As day was about to dawn, Paul urged them all to take some food, saying, today is the 14th day that you have continued in suspense and without food, having taken nothing. Therefore, I urge you to take some food. For it will give you strength for not a hair is to perish from the head of any of you. When he had said these things, he took bread and giving thanks to God in the presence of all. He broke it and began to eat. Can I remind someone today? Man, you've been so stressed out. Sometimes the best thing we can do in the midst of a storm that we can do nothing about, in the midst of a situation that we can do nothing about, when we're surrounded and he's surrounded by unbelievers, he's surrounded by, by people that don't even believe what he believes. You know what he does in the midst of it all? He just takes it and breaks bread. Some of you just need to take some communion and break some bread in the midst of your storm. Remember that Jesus is with you in the midst of it. And the testimony that is to a lost and a broken world around us, it just blows people's mind. 
I says, you know, I don't get this, but that peace that surpasses all understanding, he's with me. Jesus himself is my peace in the midst of a storm, not just when I get through it on the other side. And so sometimes I, oh, throughout this last year, with everything by God's grace that Nick and I oversee, you know, we've never, we haven't had to, to, we haven't lost any staff. We haven't had to shift or pull back in anything. You've got to understand we're in 18 countries around the world doing what we're doing. And in the midst of it all, it's like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm just going to break bread. I'm just going to go to the one that knows. It's all about him and it's all for him and it's all with him and it's all in him and it's all through him anyway. And centering Jesus. In the midst of your storm, not when it's finished, yeah. in the midst of it, yeah. he says, I'm trusting you. I can't trace you, but I'm trusting you. And I'm doing this by faith. This is like real faith. Yeah. And in the midst of all of that, I want you to see what happens in this text. He goes on and he says, and then they were all encouraged and ate some food themselves. We were in all 276 persons on the ship. That's a big ship. And when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship, throwing out the wheat to the sea. I want you to know the ship's about to go down. This is what they're doing. Now, when it was day, they did not recognize the land, but they noticed a bay with a beach on which they planned, if possible, to run the ship ashore. So they cast off the anchors. Remember, we're anchored this year. They cast off the anchors and left them in the sea, at the same time loosening the ropes that tied the rudders, then hoisting the foresail to the wind, they made for the beach. But striking a reef, they ran the vessel So now we've gotten through the storm, and now we're at the shipwreck. Anyone feel shipwrecked? Anyone feel like, you just explained my 2020 coming into 2021. They ran the ship aground. (laughs) And the Bible says that the soldier's plan was to kill the prisoners lest any should swim away and escape. But the centurion, wishing to save Paul, kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and make for the land. And the rest on planks, I want you to picture this, or on pieces of the ship. And so it was, they were all brought safely to land. I, I want you to get this. The, the ship ran aground. Some jumped overboard to swim to shore and then others had to hang on to planks or pieces of the ship. See, some of you have come into 21 and you're like, 2021, I just got here on a plank. I just got here on a piece of the ship. I don't know how I'm in April, but I'm just kind of like hanging on. And after this massive chapter that Dr. Luke writes, the last line is, and so it was that they were all brought safely to land. I want you to catch this because some of you have missed this. He has just described this most horrific, horrendous, traumatic storm and shipwreck experience, which pretty much sums up our last year. And in the very last verse of chapter 27, he doesn't rehash all of what happened in the last year. He doesn't keep going over all of the pain and all of the loss and all of the suffering and all of the offense and all of the bitterness and all of the hurt. He says, oh, no, no, no. We change the narrative now. We get our focus off what happened and we start remembering, hang on a minute. God brought us safely to land. I'm still here. God brought me 
me safely to land. I don't know how I got here, but here I am in April 2021. God brought me safely to land. I've said to my daughters, Nick and I have said to our girls, oh, the narrative over 2020 is not COVID for us. It's that our God brought us safely through that year. Our God brought us, that's the banner over 2020 for me. Should the Lord tarry my children's children and their children? Say, so what happened in 2020? Man, I don't know. I think there was like some sort of pandemic thing. But, but, but man, my grandmother and my great-grandmother, my, the, the, all they say is that the banner over 2020 for them was their God brought them safely through. Whoever that God was. And then as if that's not enough, Dr. Luke continues. In chapter 28, some of you are freaking out. This is more Bible than you've read all year. I've just brought you up to date on your Bible reading plan because, see, some of you were going to do the one-year Bible this year and you fell behind. So I'm just getting you up to date. That's exactly what's happening right now. So it goes in verse 28. This is how he starts the next chapter. Some of you need to do this in 2021 because you haven't done it yet. You've framed this last year through a certain lens and it's time to get the lenses out. <laughs> Put new lenses in, yeah. reframe the narrative. So because he ends chapter 27, which says how after we were brought safely through, not, not after all the stuff, after we were brought safely through, that he starts the next chapter with after we were brought safely through. Just in case you didn't get it, the end of that year, wow. our God brought us safely through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How I'm going to start this year yeah. after our God brought us safely through. He starts right there. We then learned that the island was called Malta. This cracks me up. Because they didn't even know Malta existed. They didn't even know where they had ended up. They didn't know it was. See, they were going to Rome, the epicenter of the Roman Empire. And now they're like, we, we just learned we're on Malta hanging on to our plank. Some of you, that's how you feel in April 2021. It's like, I didn't even know this place existed. <laughs> if someone told me last year, I would be here. I wouldn't have even known what to call here because I didn't know here existed. I, I didn't know there was a, a place called here. You see, I, I was on my way to Rome. I was on my way to purpose. I was on my way to destiny. I was on my way to the next big thing God had called me to. I see, I didn't even know there was a Malta. And now I, I just discovered in April, what's the name of this place? Where am I? I'm in this place I never planned to be. I'm in this tiny little island, 17 miles long, nine miles wide. Nick and I have been to Malta in Europe. It's, it's beautiful, but it's not Rome. Yeah. And some of you are carrying so much offense and pain and hurt because you're not in Rome wow. and you're in Malta. Wow. And your challenge in this moment is not to despise Malta on the way to Rome. Because, see, there was a revival waiting to happen in Malta that they didn't know about. But God had a revival planned in Malta. And so many of us, we are so busy lamenting the fact that we're not yet in Rome, that we are missing what God has for us right here in our Malta in this moment. There was a revival moment waiting. And so in this moment... It says the native people showed us unusual kindness for they kindled a fire and they welcomed us all because it had begun to rain and it was cold. And when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and put them on the, viper, uh, put them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. Now, this is the best I could do at short notice. So what they had done, what did Paul do? 
What was Paul complaining? When he ended up in Malta, he wasn't planning to be there. There he was. Was he complaining? No. He got to work. He started to collect. This is the Apostle Paul. He started to collect some sticks. He started to serve to build a fire. You've got to build a big fire for 276 people. You know, some of us, the best way we're going to get out of the funk that we're in is to begin to serve and do something for somebody else and begin to do something right where we are and start to build a fire to warm some other people while we're waiting for God to show us what it is that is happening. So he builds a fire. So commentators say that vipers would have been in that wood and then when the fire got hot, the viper came out and latched himself onto Paul because of the heat. So you start getting very fiery for God and start getting some serious energy for God and start heating up for the things of God. Oh, don't be surprised if suddenly the vipers start coming out of that fire. Don't don't be surprised if they start coming out because this is the deal. The storm didn't take them out. The shipwreck didn't take them out. And if the enemy will not take you out over the last year, if he couldn't take you out by external circumstances, if he couldn't take you out by the storm and he couldn't take you out by the shipwreck, make no mistake, he will send a snake to try to get venom into your heart to get you out from the inside out. If he can't take you out from the outside in, he's going to try to get bitterness and offence and disappointment and discouragement and anger and disillusionment, and lust, and greed, and jealousy, and envy. Oh, he'll be like, I'll get those toxins into you. Because I couldn't, the storm, I I planned on the storm taking you out, but that didn't take your faith away. I I, I planned on the shipwreck taking you out, but you, you, you hung in there, and you stayed faithful. So since the storm and the shipwreck couldn't take you out, let me get a snake bite in you. Oh, well, let me try to destroy the church. I tried to get you from the outside in. That didn't work. So now let me get you from the inside out. Let me get a snake to latch on. Let me get that venom into your heart. Because I couldn't, I couldn't take you out with all the stuff that's happened. So let me see if I can get it into your heart. Our church, you know, we're in a, a vital moment in the church right now. We're, we're in a vital moment. goes on. And he says, um, the viper came out. And when the native people saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, no doubt this man is a murderer. That's what the crowd always does, very quick to judge. Ooh, you got a snake hanging off? You must have sin in your life. Man, what kind of minister are you? Though he has escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. He, however, shook the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. They were waiting for him to swell up. I love that. Oh, you got a lot of haters waiting for you to swell up. <laughs> I promise you there's a lot there just waiting, waiting. They're waiting for him to swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But when they had waited a long time and they saw no misfortune come to him, they changed their minds and said he was a God. I just want to tell you how fickle people are. 
You know, the same people that said you were, you were like the devil last week say that you are a god this week. Some people go, you know, Christine, why, why, why don't you really pay that much attention to what they... I'm going, listen, the same people that... The, the same people that like your post this week are going to cancel you next week. So be very, very careful about where you get your affirmation from and where you get your strength from and where you get your courage from. We had Easter service last week. The same people that said Hosanna one, way, one day said crucify him the next day. I'll be very careful about what the crowd says about you and what you listen to from the crowd. But the Bible says that that snake came on. And what I love is that the scripture says that Paul shook it off into the fire. I want you to know he didn't shake it off on social media. He didn't shake off his offense out there and his bitterness out there and his disappointment out there and his disillusionment out there. But what I do want to say to you, church, is that what some of us need in order to step into the next season, I want to remind you that before, before Taylor Swift, there was the Apostle Paul. And some of us need to shake it off. You need to shake some stuff out in your life right now. You need to shake off that discouragement, shake off that offense, shake off that bitterness, shake off that anger, shake off that greed, shake off that. We need to shake it off into the fire. There is so much division and there is so much chaos. And there is so much pain and there is so much suffering. And the enemy tried to divide us and take us out with the storm, didn't work. Tried to divide us and take us out with the shipwreck and it didn't work. And what he has done is latched a viper to us to say, can I take you out from the inside out? Because if the church begins to understand who we are, what God has called us to be, that we are salt on this earth, that we are light on this earth, that we are sons and daughters of God, that we are representatives of the King of kings and the Lord of Lord and our job is to bring heaven to earth to represent our God to this planet. That is what God has called us to do. You are not representing God while you got vipers hanging off. You got to shake it off. You got to shake it off. Got to shake it off. Why? What's at stake? I believe, I truly believe with everything that is in me that we are on the verge of the greatest revival that we have ever seen in the history of the church over these last 2,000 years. But unless we're willing to shake some things off, we are not going to see it. I want you to see according to the text what happened here. The Bible says, it goes on, and it says, Now in the neighborhood of that place were lands belonging to the chief man of the island named Publius who received us and entertained us hospitably for three days. It happened that the father of Publius lay sick with fever and dysentery. And Paul visited him and prayed and putting his hands on him, healed him. And when this had taken place, the rest of the people on the island who had diseases also came and were cured. See, while you're despising Malta, God's got a revival ready to happen in Malta right where you are. Publius was the chief, most influential person on this island. And because his father was healed, everyone was healed. I believe this is a time where everyone in our sphere of influence can be healed or saved or delivered or redeemed or restored. But it's going to take us to stop despising Malta and stop lamenting the fact that we're not in Rome and understand that God's got a revival for us in Malta on the way to Rome. This is the plan, the purpose, and the will of God. Might be a divine detour. But it's not like God suddenly fell off the throne and thought, oh, I had no idea there was a divine pand- uh, there was a global pandemic coming. God. Peter, why didn't you tell me? Honestly, Thomas, why didn't you tell me? You're always doubting. You could have told me. 
Just maybe. Just maybe. You're in Malta. And you're missing the revival in Malta. Because you're despising the fact that you're not yet in Rome. And so he goes on. And this for some of you is your word. They also honoured us greatly. And when we were about to sail, <laughs> they put on board whatever we needed. Listen, whatever you think you've lost, whatever you think was broken, whatever you think was taken from you, when God's done with the revival in Malta, you'll get the ship that you need. You'll get the supplies that you need. You'll get everything that you need. Anything that the enemy might have taken from you, God will restore it to you double. God never, ever, ever leaves us with less than that. You will get what you want. Stop lamenting all the loss. Stop lamenting the missed opportunity. Listen, your God will get the ship to you. He'll put the supplies on it. And they ended up going to Rome. Revival came and we today are serving Jesus because of the faithfulness of these people. Do not resent Malta on the way to Rome. There's a revival waiting right where you are in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Let me pray for you. Wherever you are all over the world, Transformation Nation. I'm believing that we're sparking revival. Because we're all over the world right now. And right where you are, the embers of revival. <laughs> it's Malta. I know it's not Rome. I know it's been hard. I know the storm was brutal. I know the ship was wrecked. I know the snake tried to take you out. But your God's been faithful. And there's a revival waiting. Father, I thank you. I thank you for this phenomenal global church. Lord, it's been tough. and I know that you know that, Holy Spirit. I pray right now that literally through the lens of that camera, you'd be going into homes and just wherever people are watching this. And that your peace would be with people. That your presence, your manifest presence would be with everyone on the other side of the screen that we would reframe this last year, Lord, knowing that you never left us, you never forsook us. And no matter how far off course it seems like we are, you're with us. And we're still part of your plan. Just because we didn't know Malta existed didn't mean you didn't. So Father, I pray that you would encourage your people in this moment. You would remind them that the storm didn't take them out. They're still here. Shipwreck didn't take them out. They're still here. The snake bite didn't take them out. They're still here. And that you're faithful, God. Father, let those that are freaking out about the future, God, what am I going to do? Let them know in their heart of hearts right now that you've got a ship waiting and you've got the supplies on board and you've still got the destination ready. That your purpose hasn't changed. Your word hasn't changed. Your promise hasn't changed. 
So I pray, Father, all over the globe right now, there would be a, just a divine lifting of our eyes, off our circumstances, up to you, remembering you're our source, you're our provider, you're our strength, you're our hope, you're our peace, you're our joy, you're everything. We've got you. You're the one that brought us here, and you're the one that's going to take us there. He who promised is faithful. You've promised to never leave us nor forsake us. Father, that's the most beautiful promise in the entire scripture. So Lord, let your people sense your presence. Emmanuel, God with us, the the witness of God. Whether they're in the middle of a storm right now, whether they, they feel like they're in a shipwreck or got a snake hanging off them, we're in the middle of a revival. Let them know the witness of God. Your power is made perfect in our weakness. Holy Spirit, do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Our ships are not strong enough. Our sense of control, (laughs) I don't even know what we think we can control. Our systems, our structures, Lord, we thank you for all of it, but our hope is not in any of it. Our hope is in you. We thank you for plans and strategies. But our hope's not in that. Our hope's in the leading of the Holy Spirit of God. It's not in our plans. It's not in our purpose. It's not in our strategy. So Holy Spirit, we say to you afresh, after the storm of this last year, after the shipwrecks of this last year, after all the snake bites of this last year, we say, Holy Spirit, we need you. We need you. We want revival. We can't orchestrate a revival because, Lord, (laughs) we can't even take ourselves to where we think we want to go. So we're going to go with the wind. The wind was against them from the beginning. The wind blew them off course, but the wind blew them on purpose. So wind of God, have your way with us, have your way with our house. Blow us where you will. Take us where you will. Do with us what you will. We want to be agents of revival. We want to see revival wherever we are, in our homes, in our communities, in our schools, in our universities, in our workplaces. Lord, you've shown us this year, it's not just the place that we go on Sunday, it's where we are Monday through Saturday that needs healing. So use us, Lord. Let your wind blow us where he will. And then use us to see revival on this earth, I pray. In Jesus' name. There's so many moments that I personally could relate to of things that I've regret or moments that I've found myself in that I didn't even know what to name it or, or lamenting over the past and where I thought I was going to be or how I thought I was going to get to my purpose or how I thought my life was going to go. And you may be watching this and find yourself in a moment of disappointment where you're looking around and nothing seems recognizable and you've been through the storms of life, you've been through the storms of relationship and maybe you're, you're watching service today and you felt like you've went through the storms, you've went through the shipwreck, the snake bites, the comments, everything, even this last year and you felt like you've went through it alone. 
What you need to know and what was so powerful in that story in Acts 27 is that Jesus was right with Paul in every single moment. He was able to declare his goodness. He was able to stand confidently in the storm because he knew he was not going through the storm alone. He knew that regardless of what tried to get him off track, regardless of what tried to bite him, regardless of what tried to get in his heart, he knew that the Savior of the universe was right there with him. And there's somebody watching this right now that you need to know, regardless of what you've been through, regardless of who labeled you, regardless of the difficult situation you find yourself in right now you may be watching alone right now but what you need to know is God is with you he loves you and he cares about you deeply what you need to know is that over 2,000 years ago there was a man named Jesus and the crazy thing is he wasn't just a man you see God in his love for humanity he sent his son his only son Jesus and God put on flesh and bone and he stepped down into the middle of history and he lived a sinless and perfect life and then at the age of 33 he laid his life down why did he die well in the old testament there was there was this thing you see the sin or our our, our wrong or our missing the mark sin is an archery term it means you were you were aiming for this and you just got a little bit off that sin it missing the mark when we mess up when we make mistakes That sin separated us from God. And in the Old Testament, in order to account for this sin, there had to be a perfect sacrifice. And Jesus and and God, God said, you know what? I'm tired of these sacrifices that are just band-aids to the problem. I'm tired of of people trying to do good things just to get to relationship with me. I'm going to send the perfect sacrifice just so I can have relationship with you. The most common scripture, you've probably heard it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. God gave his only son for you and he gave his only son for this moment so that you could come into relationship with him wherever you are I want to ask you to close your close your eyes bow your heads just out a moment of focus not out of religion or or out of I have to but just a moment to to really focus in on where you are with your relationship with God some of you if you're honest you realize that you're not as close to God as you would like to be Maybe you grew up in church or around church or you heard about this God or maybe you've experimented with different religions and that you see the thing about all different religions or even just life. It's about you working. It's about you doing good things to get to God. But the story of, of Christianity and of the Bible it is a story of a God that was so in love with you that he didn't say, you come to me. He said, I'll come to you. And that's what you need to know. Regardless of what you're going through right now, God is saying, I am stepping into your situation. I'm stepping into your hurt. I'm stepping into the lifestyle that you're living. I'm stepping into the drug addiction. I'm stepping into the broken relationship. I'm stepping into the foreclosure. He will step into that moment and he says, I doesn't promise that everything will be perfect, but I promise that I'll be with you. Right now, I want to invite you into the greatest decision you could ever make, and that is a decision to accept Jesus. I want to dispel some myths. You don't have to be perfect for this relationship. You don't have to have all the questions of life answered. You don't have to do a certain amount of good things. You don't have to wear a certain amount, certain type of clothes. You don't have to go to church so many times a month. All you got to do is surrender. And that's what I want to invite you into is a, yeah, I want to invite you into a moment of surrender. A moment to say, I can't do it by myself. A moment to say that I need help. That's you right now, wherever you are. I want to ask you to repeat this prayer after me. I believe that when you say this prayer, this is a moment significant that's beyond just words, but it's cementing something deep in your heart. It's anchoring your soul. Transformation Nation, no matter if you've prayed this prayer before, all together, would you repeat this prayer after me? Say, dear God, thank you 
for loving me. Dear Jesus, I admit I've made mistakes. Save me. Change me. Heal me. Transform me. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Hey, listen, TC Nation, can you take a moment and celebrate that? Come on. We just have people who gave their life to Christ. That is the most amazing decision you could ever make. And I'm so proud of you. And I want you to, I want you to do something specific. I want you to write this date down. Grab your phone right now. Grab a piece of paper. Put it on your fridge. Text a friend. Text a family member. But this is a significant day in your life. This is the moment that the creator of the universe steps in. And I'm believing your life is going to change from here on out. Hey, listen, as a church, we would love to walk with you. Following Jesus is not meant to be done alone. It's not meant to be done by yourself, but by a community of believers. And we would love to be that for you. I want you to text the number on the screen. Text the word SAVED to the number 828282. And we want to send you some resources. Our lead pastors, Pastors Michael and Natalie, have a special message for you. And just want to help you along this journey. I want to dispel the myth that following Jesus is a possibility or a moment of arrival. It's not an arrival, it's a journey. And what we say here at Transformation Church is it's about progression, not perfection. I want to encourage you to keep coming back to TC. Set this time, set a reminder, invite your friends over to be a part of the services. But I'm believing that this is the beginning of your life continually being transformed. Listen, we love you so much. We are so grateful for you. An amazing message today from Pastor Christine Kane about how to shake it off. Listen, this sermon's going to go up live later. I want to encourage you to share it with somebody. Share it with a friend. Share it with somebody that's maybe been going through similar things. Share it with an aunt or an uncle. But I believe in God not only wants to do something for you and to you, but if you'll surrender, he will do something through your life. We love you so much. Go out and live a transformed life. If God is transforming your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. You can give through our TC app or at transformchurch.us slash give. Thank you for listening and remember to subscribe to enjoy more messages like this. Now, go and live a transformed life.